Hey, Greg, you got all your toys up here this morning? Thank you, Gabe. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, pull those out. We continue this morning in a series of messages about God didn't say that. We started out uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about uh, the issue of God helps those who help themselves. Well, he didn't say that. God helps those who know they need help from God. God helps those who, who know they're helpless without him. Uh, that's, that's who God helps. If you can help yourself, then why do you need God? God helps those who need help, who recognize they're in trouble and they need a savior. Uh, so we, that was week one. Last week we talked about the issue of don't judge people. Did God really say don't judge people? Fact of the matter is, he did say that we're supposed to hold each other accountable. That we're supposed to watch after each other. Uh, as it says in Colossians, admonish one another. Uh, yeah, we're to... If we're busy judging those people outside the church, stop it. But within the church, within the family of God, yes, we are to inspect fruit, be fruit inspectors of the Spirit. Well, today uh, our saying is uh, one that uh, will be a can of worms that uh, our culture, our society might uh, not be real proud of me saying. They may not like this topic, they may not like what... Uh, this has to say, but I'm, we're going to address it anyway. We have people from different religious backgrounds. We have people from different faith systems. There might be someone here that uh, comes from, from a completely different faith system. There might be someone in the room from a Mormon background. There might be someone in the room from a Jehovah's Witness background. There might be someone from a Presbyterian, Episcopal I'm not equating those. I'm just saying we have different backgrounds. There might be, um, there might even be a Southern Baptist in the room. We've been taught things our our whole lives. There's people that call themselves Christians that the way they live day in and day out represents more, uh, is representative much more of the devil than it is of Christ. We have people that believe all kinds of things and from many backgrounds. And, and again, I hope that this series of messages does one thing in particular, and that is that it drives you and I back to Scripture. That, that's where it takes us. Did God really say that? You know, it might come as a surprise to some people in the room, but we're a Southern Baptist church. If you didn't know that, I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm kind of glad. Because to be honest with you, God did not call me into full-time vocational ministry to wave the banner of Southern Baptist. That's not what he called me to. He called me to wave the banner of Jesus Christ. Did you say go for it? Okay. <laughs> God says in his word, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is breathed out by God. He breathes it out. And so if God breathed it out, our task is to what? Breathe it in. 
And that's something that, listen, I don't think you could hold your breath all day. If Brian Phelps were here, he could give it a pretty good shot, but, but he's not. We need to be constantly breathing in what God has breathed out. I hope that this series of messages drives us back. I hope that you'll examine, you'll check the words that I'm speaking and make sure that it's accurate. Go to God's word and examine these words. This morning's uh, saying, it parallels a, a philosophy that has become prevalent in our society. I don't know when it came to be popular, but I'm guessing somewhere in the 90s, early thousands, uh, that this idea, this philosophy of thinking that says we're all winners, no one's a loser. I listened to my daughter-in-law talk about her second grade class uh, that, that she teaches, and she was telling a story one time about they had a competition in her classroom. There was the, the red team and the gold team, and and uh, they'd, however they answered the questions or whatever the competition was. But anyway, it ended up, and the red team won. And one of the kids on the gold team spoke up and says, you can't say that. You can't say that because we're all winners. <laughs> Amen. We're, we're all winners. We all get orange slices at the end of the game. And, and Janae looked at, looked at this child and said, well, how many points did your team have? Seven. And how many points did the, the red team have? Nine. Did your team win? No. See, kids know. They know. Man, we have choir competitions. We have band competitions. We have cheer competitions. There's all kinds of sports. We're watching the NBA go through all of their, their playoffs right now. Listen, this is a hard statement to make, but I hope you're, I hope you're big enough to handle it. I, I really do. There are winners and there are losers. Are we okay? Are we all right? And the statement we're talking about today, it, it collides with this philosophy that says we all get orange slices at the end of the game. We all get one. And the statement is this. Oh, yeah, there, there's one other example that I, I just got to tell you about. When Garrett, my oldest son, was in middle school, he played basketball, and uh, the, the team that he was on this particular year was, was a really good basketball team. And we were at an away game playing at another private school, and the game started, <clears throat> and somewhere probably in the second quarter, the score clock, they turned it off. The scoreboard, they just turned it off. And, and so uh, our, our fans, our parents were like, the scoreboard, you turn the scoreboard off, it's, it's uh, turn the scoreboard on. And the scorekeeper turns around to our parents' section and goes, we're not turning it on. We don't want the kids to know who's winning and who's losing. We don't want their feelings to be hurt. Do you think that just because you turned that off, the kids don't know who's winning and who's losing? 
The harsh reality is that, I, listen, I hope that I'm not making people mad and just don't stick with me if you are and if you just have the desire to get up and leave, just stay with me for a few minutes, okay? But the statement that we're working with today is, is a philosophy that has rooted, I think, rooted itself in this everybody's a winner and has snuck into some church language that everybody is a child of God. We don't want to make people feel bad. We, everybody wants to be validated. Everybody wants to be accepted. Oh, everybody's good. We don't want them to feel bad, so we, let's just tell them that everybody is a child of God. And I stand before you today and say God didn't say that. He didn't say that. And so I want to unpack that. I know I've, I've opened a can of worms and I'm going to need to clean it up. But listen, not everybody is a child of God, but I need to make something clear before we move on. That does not mean that every person, make sure I say this correctly, Every person is valuable and is valuable to God. Let me say it again. Every person is valuable and valuable to God. Listen, stay, stay with me because I, I don't want somebody to, be, to understand or interpret what I'm saying is, well, then God doesn't care about me. God doesn't think anything about me. He doesn't think I'm valuable. If everybody's not a child of God, then, then what am I? And does that mean I'm not valuable? I'm not saying that at all. I want you to listen to what Psalm 119, you can read along with me, verses 14 through 16 say. David, the psalmist says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Stop right there for a second. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Will you look to the person next to you and say, you are fearfully, I'm looking at you, Mitty, because there's no one sitting beside you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Tell somebody next to you, go ahead. Okay, time out. I got to coach you a little bit because I'm going to need some more enthusiasm than that. I saw some pats on the shoulders, and, and I saw a couple of you go. No, I want you to tell them, because everybody needs to know. You are fearfully and wonderfully, you are wonderful. Go ahead. Now that's better. I saw that back there. That's better. Some of you are like, I don't have anybody sitting next to me, so I don't have to do act weird like everybody else is. What? 139. Psalm 139. Sorry. Psalm 139, verses 14 through 16. He, he says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's everybody. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I need everyone to understand very clearly that you are valuable. 
You are precious. You are important. Even in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it says we were all created, how? In the image of God. He values everybody. We are all his creation. But I hate to break it to you. I don't hate to. I just need to tell you the truth. I haven't been called to tickle people's ears. I've been called to teach the truth. And there's a big difference between being God's creation and God's child. Are we okay? What does it take for someone to be your child? I mean, I could ask the dads in the room, well, I sired my children. They're your child. I could ask the moms in the room, how does someone become your child? And moms would say, I birthed that child there's other there's another option anybody adoption now hold on to that word because we're going to come back to it but in your family your physical family you either sired a child or you birthed a child or you've adopted a child you've said to that child I want you to be a part of my family and they became your child There's a big difference between being a creation and being a child. Friends, this, this message is at the core of what it means to be a Christian. And when we compromise this idea that says everybody is a child of God, we compromise the gospel. And today, here's this little thing I want you to hold on to. Be careful how you handle the gospel. Be careful how you handle the gospel. We cannot compromise the gospel message. If we soften it at this point, you will not find much motivation to share the gospel with anybody. If we, if we compromise the gospel, if we soften it at this point that says everybody's a child, I mean, you don't have much motivation at all to share the gospel because they're already a child. And they don't have much motivation either because if I'm already a child, then why do I need this Jesus you're telling me about? We have to be careful with the gospel. The fact that God created you in his image gives you value. You agree? Do you agree? It doesn't matter the color of your skin. You have value. You agree? It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You have value. Agree? Man, y'all aren't very enthusiastic on this. I mean, that's... It doesn't matter where you live. You have value. Do you agree? It doesn't matter if you cheer for the Oakland Raiders. You have value. Do you agree? None of that stuff matters. If God made you, you're valuable. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. That is affirmation, that's validation. You are valuable. 
And yes, I'm talking to every person who's in this room, every person that will watch this online, that will hear this, I'm talking to you. So I want to ask a few questions today that are on your outline about this issue of being a child of God. First question is this, who can become a child of God? John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, they say this. Jesus said this. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave. Now, Jesus' audience would have understood the concept of slavery probably much more than we do. They would have understood that there have been times when families have taken a child down to the auction and auctioned off a child into slavery. That happens in other countries today. And so the highest bidder will take this child and make them their slave. And they're obedient to that master. Jesus said these words, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Doesn't say child, says a slave. A slave can be bought and sold. We continue. Well, let me ask this question. It's somewhat significant. If you've ever sinned, please, please join me and raise your hand. Okay. Okay, we got that. All right, we passed that one. All right. Even if you're not into God, even if you're not into church, somebody invited you and you're here, but you're still not into the whole God thing, you would probably agree that you have messed up somewhere along the line in your life. You aren't perfect. Maybe you've even disappointed yourself. Well, if you've disappointed yourself, imagine with God and his standards. He goes on to say in that passage, Jesus does, verse 35, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now remember, a slave can be bought and sold. But a son is part of the family forever. Garrett and Grayson, check this out, Garrett and Grayson will never, they may go down to the courthouse and legally change their last name but my DNA still runs through them they'll always be my son a slave can be bought and sold let's make sure we understand this in context I want us to now look at Romans chapter 6 verses 15 through 18 God's word says this, Paul says this to the church in Rome, what then, shall we sin sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are a slave to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that through, though you used to be slaves to sin, whether whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin. Who are you obeying? If I wanted to, let's just 
stay with my example. If I were to have sold one of my sons into slavery and I wanted to buy them back. You see, a slave can be bought and sold. If I wanted to buy one of my sons back that I sold into slavery, what would I have to do? I'd have to redeem them. I would have to pay the redeemer's price in order to get them back. See, a slave can be bought and sold. A child is part of the family forever. In order to get them back into the family, they must be redeemed. So here's the deal. When you and I sinned, we became slave to sin. Actually, when sin entered the world through one man, we were all infected by that. We were born into sin. So the way that God could get us back into his family, back as one of his children, is we had to be redeemed. We have a redeemer. Not everybody's a child. I just got to tell you, I just got to break that, break that out. Not everybody is a child of God, though we are all his creation. The only way we get back to being one of his children is if someone will redeem us. If somebody will pay the redeemer's price for us. It does nobody any good if we cheapen the gospel by saying everybody's a child of God. We need to be careful how we handle the gospel. So here's the question again. Who can become a child of God? Here's the answer. You ready? Everybody who has ever sinned. Everybody. Everybody can become a child of God because we have a Redeemer. We need someone that will pay the Redeemer's price. We have to be bought back so that we can be set free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. Paul says this, again to the Roman church, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith. Everybody say the word faith. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, Broncos fan or Raiders fan. For all, check it out, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So who can become a child of God? Everyone. Everybody can, but everybody doesn't start that way. Nobody starts that way. God doesn't care your nationality. He doesn't care what your gender is. He doesn't care whatever. He makes no distinction because it applies to everyone. Every person who has sinned can become a child of God. The question, that is the answer to our question. But when we tell a messed up person who knows that they're messed up, that they're already a child of God, then why do I need Jesus? Guys, we cannot compromise the gospel message. We cannot cheapen it. I mean, that's the best part of the message, isn't it? That we have a redeemer. That we're all messed up. Every one of us is messed up, but 
We have a redeemer. We have someone that has paid the redeemer's price to purchase us back, to make us a child of God. That's the best part of the gospel message. Let's not cheapen it by telling them they already are. Be careful with how you handle the message. To continue with with the Romans 3 passage, verse 24, and all are justified freely, circle that word, freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Who can become a child? The answer is what? Everyone. Second question. How? How do I become a child of God? Look at what, look at what John says. Chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. He came to that which was his own, but to his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, I want to stop right there. I need to explain this word a little bit. Receive. The, the, the original word, the Greek word is lambano. A variation of that word, lumbano. That, that word means to, to grasp, to take hold of, to go get. I want that. I'm taking it. I'm receiving it. In this room, I have taped a gift for somebody that wants it. I've taped it on the wall. I've taped a $20 bill on the wall. In fact, it's right in front of me on that back wall. If somebody wants that, it's yours. (laughs) The race was on. (laughs) What's that? You pointed him to the way. Jim, Jim, it's yours. Oh, you dropped your glasses, all right. Hey, listen, did you see how, I mean, once people saw that it was there, someone were like, well, I don't want to get up. What would people think if I went and got over there? I mean, how many people thought that? Huh? I would. I really want the $20 because I could use that $20, but I don't want to get. You ever heard of people do that with Jesus? What would people think? Well, people think nobody else is doing it. You know what I thought about doing? I thought about taping the $20 bill on this drum cage. But I thought at that one moment that all of our instrumentalists, our praise team, would have a meltdown because of uh, what's up here. I thought it's probably not the wisest thing to do. But I want you to see this. The only way Jim got that is that he, he said, I want it. And he received it. He grabbed it. He took it. I want that. Now, I want you to take that concept to the issue of Jesus. Look what he says. Yet to all who did receive him, Lombano. Keep going. To those who believed in his name. Read the next part with me. 
He gave the right to become. How do you become a child of God? I need this to be clear. I don't want anybody to be mistaken about this. He gives it to us right here. That point when you say, I want him. And you receive him. You take hold of it as something that you want. And you believe in his name. You believe in what he did for you on the cross. He redeemed you. We have a redeemer. Now you know people in your workplace. You know people in your neighborhood that are far from God, man. They know they're messed up. They know they have sin in their life. And man, we can't cheapen the gospel. We got to tell them the best part. That we've all sinned. Every one of us has sinned. But here's the good news. We have a redeemer, man. We don't have to be a slave anymore. We can be bought back. We have a redeemer who has paid the redeemer's price to purchase us back to be a child of God. Will you receive him? Will you say, man, I want that? And take hold of Jesus and believe in his name. We've already read a couple of passages that say it's about faith, man. It's not about being good enough and it's not about works. It's about faith. Who can become a child of God? I'll ask it again. Who can become a child of God? Everyone. And how does one become a child of God? Receive and believe. Have you received Jesus? Have you said, I want him to be my Lord? I, I want to take hold of him. I'm not just walking down the aisle because my friends walk down the aisle. No, I know that I need a, re a redeemer. I want to receive him. I know that I have sinned and I know that I'm in trouble without a redeemer. I don't want to stay in slavery to sin. I hate this stuff that's in my life. I want to be set free from that and become a child of God. I want to receive him. Because I believe in what he did on the cross for me. He paid the Redeemer's price for my sin. And I believe, I believe, everyone can become a child. And they become a child by receiving and believing. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. Paul says to the churches of Galatia, so in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, say that with me, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through the number of times you go to church. How active you are in a life group. No. It's through faith. Receive and believe. Through what? Faith. Faith is the hand. Jim, check this out. Faith is the hand that reached up on that wall and grabbed the $20 bill. That's what faith is. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord, faith, belief, 
is the hand that receives that gift. Have you believed? Have you trusted? Verse 27, for all who were baptized into Christ have been clothed, have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I finish with this today. If everyone can become a child, and, and, and the way to become a child is to believe, um, to receive and believe, then what does a child of God look like? The other evening, Catherine and I went to the lion's house for a, a, a dinner and, and to hear of her brother's missionary adventure that is about to begin. In our conversations before dinner, Trevor was, was in the room, or he was upstairs, and her brother was like, what? He heard Trevor talking upstairs. He goes, eh, John's already home. I didn't know John was home yet. Their son sounded like dad. You know where I'm going. Grayson, my youngest son, worship pastor at a church across town, Foothills. And uh, he had the opportunity to preach a couple of weeks ago. I watched the podcast online and as I was watching my son, he, there were just some mannerisms that I went, yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh, here's the answer to our question. What does a child of God look like? It looks like their parent. It looks like their father. Do you look like your father? Do you sound like your father in heaven? Listen, listen, Romans 8, 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit, do I have that, do I have that screen, oh, that verse? For those who are led by the Spirit of God, say it. There's one of our characteristics right there. God's children are led by his Spirit. Does it sound like you? Does it sound like me? Is that something that would describe our walk, our daily walk, that we're listening, we're being attentive to the Spirit? God speaks to our spirit. When we open up his word, even in Hebrews chapter 4, the word is alive and active. And the Spirit of God speaks to us through his word. One of the characteristics of what a child of God looks like, led by the Spirit. What does that look like, Joel? I mean, I'm going to need something a little more concrete than that. Okay, Galatians chapter 5. You know the verses, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, church attendance. Huh? No, man. Fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. What does a child of God look like? That. Does that describe me? Does it describe you? I'm not perfect, and neither are you. But friends, listen. Day in and day out, at work, 
at home, in our neighborhood, at the grocery store. I, I need to finish here, but yesterday I was at <clears throat> Lowe's. Some of you know, some of you don't know that on Tuesday of this week, something happened in our home that has occupied much of my time and much of my brain. Our refrigerator and freezer decided to quit. This pleasant aroma. Yep, you know what I'm talking about. So yesterday, I was at Home Depot looking for refrigerators. And I'm standing there, and I, I confess I have this thing, used car salesman pitch stuff. I just, my defenses go up, and I've got to check Consumer Report app and which one's rated the highest and all this stuff. And, and the sales pitch was going on, and I could tell that my demeanor, it was not fruity. There was another gentleman standing on the other side of this salesperson. And we made eye contact several times. Eye contact enough that it was, uh, awkward is not the right word, but I was like, hey, there went again, eye contact, all right. So after the sales lady finished up, he said, hello, pastor. <laughs> hey, man. And it was one of, one of our brothers from the Ethiopian church. And, and he recognized me. I did not recognize him ever. Church, we need to always have our game face on. We need to always have our child of God game face on. Who can become a child? Everybody who's ever sinned. How? Receive Lombano and believe. And what do you look like once you're a child of God? You look like your father. I'll finish with this. 1 John 3.10. This is how we know who the children of God are, who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor anyone who does not love their brother or sister. Children of God, we love one, of one another. We love God and we love Others, you've heard that before. Matthew 5, 16. Have this. Can, will you read this out loud with me, please? In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see who? Your Father. Don't take lightly that every time we see the word Father. And he's your dad. And we need to look like him. Deal? Deal. I wonder today if there's someone here that needs to become, that wants to become a child of God. And maybe for the first time you realize that you are a creation, but you've never trusted, you've never received or believed in Jesus You've never understood that you have a redeemer that's paid the redeemer's price for you, but today you do. And today you would say, that's me, Joel. I, I, I want to receive and I want to believe in Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I know I've sinned, 
And I know I'm in trouble unless somebody redeems me. And today I want Jesus to come and be my Lord. Let me ask everybody to bow your head. I, I, I wonder, even now, if there's somebody that would say, Joel, you just described me. I want to receive Jesus. I want to take hold of him. Not, nobody's making me. I want him. I want to be set free. If that's you today, would you do me a favor? Just look up and make eye contact with me. If you want to receive Jesus, you believe in what he did on the cross for you. I'm just telling you it's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Eternity is in the balance. All right. Father, we come. And I lift up our church. I pray that we would be a people that don't cheapen the gospel message. That not everybody is a child. Everyone is your creation. They, everyone is valuable. But, Lord, there is only one way that we can come to, to be in your family. And that is through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be proclaimers of your gospel. As your word tells us in Matthew 28, to go and make disciples. I pray that we would be a people that do that, that it would be a conviction on our heart. Lord, will you lay that on our heart? Will you put in front of us, as was preached a few weeks ago, who's your one? Lord, that we would be bold in proclaiming the good news. Man, it's good news. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. I'm going to invite our praise team to come. And, uh, and those that are going to help us serve the Lord's Supper, we're going to take just a few minutes to uh, take time to remember. Can I just tell you, if you're a guest with us, this is something that God's children do.